you brought these medications with you. So let me give you an idea of what these medications look like. So this is the uh, Ozempic. Okay. And this is Wijovi. And I want to show you something very interesting. Okay, I just want to help people. This is the reason I came on here, because I want people to understand what these drugs are, the benefits, the risks, and the potential uh, harms, and what it could do for them. Just trying to get clean. One of the criticisms of, I don't even think it's necessarily of the medical industry, more nutrition and food, particularly in America, that we allow ingredients in our foods that are banned in places like Europe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and the criticism that come, that goes to the medical community when talking about this stuff is you guys are treating the sy symptom and not the root cause. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. You know, obesity is uh, something that has become a bigger problem in recent years, and it's definitely a bigger problem in, in the United States. And there is uh, this problem that a lot of people know. If, for example, if you go to Europe, you go you go for a trip, and you can eat like pizza and you can eat pasta, and you don't seem to gain weight. And then all of a sudden, you come to the U.S. and you eat a little bit of pasta or a little bit of pizza, and you put on like you know feels like 10 pounds. Yeah. And it's true. I think that our, our food supply needs to change. So that's the big food. And the way that the food is served through, let's say, I the other day I had a, I mean, it broke my heart. I had a mom and a child of eight or nine come to my office, and I was seeing the mom for a surgery uh, evaluation. And the child was had a Big Mac, like a double Big Mac, French fries and a Coke uh, early in the morning as breakfast, you know. So I mean, it's multifactorial with big food and with the processed food. Did you say something to the mom? No. You're not allowed to. No, it's not that I'm not allowed to, but you know, I don't want to judge somebody without knowing what their background is, and it's not somebody that I know well. It's somebody that I was seeing one time. Okay. And. You know, for me to get in the middle of that uh, in a, you know, visit is, would, it, it would take me, you know, a good two hours to get in, get, get in the middle of that because I don't know if she's a single mom and she's working and she's trying to make things, you know, make, make ends meet and she's trying to raise a kid and she's suffering with, you know, I, I don't want to judge. So I don't know, I don't know her situation, but when I saw it, it really like broke my heart because when I look at... 40 million children that are battling obesity, I'm sure that's part of it. You know, the ease of going to McDonald's and what the food is there and the processed food and the food that is obesogenic. And we're all addicted to sugar, you know, in this country. Like, the, sh the problem with sugar is that when you, when you eat it, it makes you want to eat more and it makes you want to eat more. And that's one of the things that this, this medication breaks, actually. Um, but the other thing is like, if you, you know, you, you, you teach your body. So when I talk about habits, this is one of the things that I want. I try to teach my patients to uh, start getting into intermittent fasting or what I like to call is, you know, time restricted eating, which is not eating between 8 p.m. 
and 12 noon. Because one of the things is when you eat after 8 p.m., 9 p.m., you know, the way that your glucon and glucagon and your insulin work, you tend to put on more weight, okay, after late night, late at night. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that if you, if you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you eat whatever, let's say you eat a piece of uh, sandwich, some sandwich, okay? If you do that for a week, I promise you if you don't do it one night, your body will literally wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning like a clockwork and feel like it's starving. It's like, you know, give me food or I'm going to start shaking. So there is definitely a, a food addiction that you can teach your body or you can teach your body to get out of. So that's one of the things that I like to teach people. Make sure you don't eat for, you know, your body needs to be fasting for a period of time so it can recover and it can learn not to eat. And then you eat two meals. And so, you know, for for most people, if they eat two meals, that's a very good way of teaching their body that these are the times that you're going to eat. And this is, you know, what, how many calories you're going to eat, how much you eat, what you eat. So you do it during that period of time. Are there generic versions of this? So the answer is no. There are no generic uh, medications. These medications are new. Um, and unfortunately, there are uh, pharmacies uh, that try to make um, compounded forms of these medications. And I highly discourage people from getting into those uh, compounded medications. And I think for a period of time when the, these medications became hard to find, a lot of people were trying to use those generic or compounded medications. But you really don't know what's in it, and you don't know how much is in it. And these are not FDA-regulated medications. You really don't know what you're going to get. And I, you know, there's definitely no studies on these. So I definitely discourage people from not from taking anything that's not uh, one of the one of the known medications and the brand okay and I'm not a drug pusher I don't want this uh, to become a soundbite that I'm trying to push for you know one of these drugs because again I think that you know healthy habits are important diet is important exercise is important mental health is important all of those things are important we are addressing specifically people who have gone through all of those have done that and haven't been able to, uh, you know, be successful, and they need an extra help. But definitely stay on the brand medications for now until we have more information. Also, who are all these doctors that are prescribing these medications to, I guess, both men and women who are only maybe 5 to 10 pounds overweight, and they just have a little bit of stubborn fat to lose? Because I was at um, an event, and I saw very famous reality TV star. She looked, and this is rare, exactly like her photoshopped photo. Yeah. I was shocked. <laughs> so I knew she had to be on on one of these drugs. And everyone at the party was talking about it. Well, first of all, when you go to one of those parties, I can tell you that half of the people are on the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I think that a third of the people in the next couple of years are going to end up being on the drugs. And the other thing that we said is that if you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while and they've lost like 30, 40 pounds, that they're probably on the drug. And Caught then, ya. <laughs> and the other thing is that, um, that when you see somebody, their muscle is has shrunk and they've lost weight so for example in women it's very obvious because you look at the arm and if you look at their arm and their arm is like really thin rather than you know 
a normal looking arm, like a photoshopped arm, for example, then you know that they've probably gone on that medication. It's crazy because that's what women want. And I feel like it's for other women because I've never seen a man say like, oh, you know, I want a girl who's thick, thin and this and that. It's like, it's weird. They're doing it for the approval of other women. So... I don't hang out with a lot of women because I happen to be married, uh, but I hang out with a lot of men and I ask them what they like in women. Okay. And, you know, they like breasts and thighs and, and hips and butts and, you know, a little bit of chunkiness. And hardly anybody I know likes that anorexic look. And they don't feel like it's healthy, they don't feel like it's attractive. But a lot of women push themselves to go to that look. I, and I don't understand really the mentality behind it. But And I know that a lot of times it's become like a competition with, uh, with other women, or maybe, or it's become a competition with what your self-photoshopped uh, person looks like. And maybe like, you know, with AI, everybody's going to look different. Oh <laughs> but, but honestly, I don't think it's healthy. So what, what ends up happening is... You know, you end up uh, with women who are losing five or ten pounds, undoing everything that you would go to a plastic surgeon or a cosmetic surgeon to to inject to make bigger, making it smaller. So your breasts are going to start like getting shrunk, shrunk and you know drag, and especially your butt is going to become completely flat. Okay, or maybe you lose all the um, you know. Uh, areas in your face that you would want to have uh, injected. So again, I'm not a huge fan of somebody who wants to lose five or 10 pounds being on these drugs at all. Not, I don't think it's attractive cos uh, cosmetically. I don't find it attractive uh, myself personally. And I think that it's not healthy medically. Another thing I forgot to ask was, how much does this cost? So these drugs generally cost about $1,000 a month on the average, $1,000 to $1,500 a month, unless you can get your insurance to cover it. Um, can you? Yeah, there are different ways of getting insurance cover to cover it. So for, that's another reason why I discourage women who want to lose 5 pounds or 10 pounds, because there's no way I'm going to lie to an insurance company to get that covered. You know, But let's say a, a person who is... 40 pounds, has 40 pounds to lose, and they have PCOS, that's a medical condition. If they are postmenopausal with, with insulin resistance, that's a medical condition. If they have a, a uh, BMI, a body mass index, over 30, um, that's a medical condition that's considered obesity. So for example, Wegovy is actually approved for that. If that's you the have, one that that's the one that Elon took. I think that's the one that he tweeted yeah, and he tweeted about. And he tweeted that he took it. Which well, was look cool. at him before and after that boat. I know. <laughs> oh my god. But but honestly, he didn't have to tweet that, but he did. You know. He, that, he you know, I love that man. He's just so honest with his feelings and emotions, even if he gets him in trouble. I I just. I love the way that he's so, uh, you know, he, he doesn't care what people think. He just says it. I mean, sometimes it ends up hurting people, but I like, I like that vulnerability and clarity in, in his thought. I, I don't mind it. Doesn't yeah. bother me. Uh, so um, so Wegovy is another one. So that's, that's 30 pounds or over. Or let's say somebody has a 25 BMI or sorry, 27 BMI, and they have some other 
uh, comorbidities. So for example, they have insulin resistance or, or cholesterol, or heart disease or sleep apnea or something, you know? And so you wanna treat the underlying condition that will reverse the uh, comorbidity. So for example, let's say somebody has elevated blood pressure and they have sleep apnea. You know, men, I see a lot of men um, that they have two or three children and they put on 20, 30 pounds because they're going after their children and eating everything <laughs> inside and they stopped exercising because they don't have to chase the woman anymore and, you know, things have changed in their life and they're trying to make money and, you know, so they let go and they gain like 40 pounds and then their wife drags them in and says to me, oh, you know, this guy is like snoring at night and I can't sleep next to him because he's like, you know, and then he stops breathing in the middle of the night and that's a serious condition. You know, sleep apnea is a serious condition. It's directly related to weight gain. So, you know, that's another condition that you can treat by reversing uh, the, the, the weight. So if you have weight loss, so instead of sometimes, instead of having to wear the CPAP machine, uh, you know, that's very cumbersome, uh, you can get them to lose weight. Now, hopefully they can lose the weight by exercising and not eating everything in sight and, you know, all those things. But if it's hard, you know, you can help them with a the medication. So that's, that's a uh, situation where I can get the medication covered by, through the insurance by the comorbidities and insulin resistance. Maybe it's not diabetes, but it's, but it's indirectly diabetes. So I just want to go back to diabetes for a second because that is what the drug was initially made for, mm -hmm. for type 2 diabetics. How does it work for them? So it's one of the best medications we've had before type 2 diabetes. Um, it... Um, drops, it tells your pancreas to produce insulin, but only when your sugar is high. So it's very intelligent. So when your sugar is low, let's say you have a sugar of 70, it doesn't drop your sugar below that. Your, your pancreas doesn't produce more insulin. But let's say your sugar is 150 or 200, which is, you know, over 100 is starting to push it. Um, then your pancreas starts producing insulin. So it's very smart. You have the, uh, the medication sitting there. And when your sugar goes up, it starts producing, your pancreas starts producing insulin. Also, it has a relationship with glucagon because it's a glucagon-like protein. Also, it decreases your uh, stomach's emptying. So your stomach empties very, very slowly. So you're, you're full for a longer period of time. So you're not hungry that much. And then it also sends a message up to your brain in your satiety centers in the brain to say that I'm full. So a lot of people, like, they don't have that, that feeling of, oh, I need to eat, even though you just ate, you know? So there's two components to that. One is you just ate so your stomach is full, but the other thing is that there's something in your brain telling you you need to eat again because you're hungry. So it, it works on both levels. So it does four different things. The, the production of insulin, the glucagon, the emptying of the stomach, and your brain. So in all those four things, all of a sudden your uh, insulin level, uh, sorry, in your hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of your uh, sugar drops, and then you start seeing your cholesterol levels drop, you start seeing your heart disease drops, sleep apnea drops, blood pressure drops. So it's, it affects everything with diabetes, and it's incredible. It's such a good medication for diabetes because of that. I keep hearing this acronym. Is it GL? P1 yeah. agonist. GLP1, yeah. yeah. What's that? So GLP1 is the glucagon-like protein, glucagon-like protein 1, and it's a natural protein in your body. Your body has that. 
And so that's, remember I said that maybe there's a defect in people who get obese. Yeah. Maybe they don't have, they don't make it as much as somebody who's thin. So see people, maybe, maybe uh, they don't make as much of it. That's one of the things. And, you know, it, it, this is very complicated because, for example, you know, we have, um, uh, just to digress for a second, uh, is you can take, like, um, poop of somebody who's thin, okay, and inject it into uh, the, the colon of somebody who is obese and they become thin. And maybe, you know, the, the, the bacteria, the microbacteria that's, that's in their poop is also producing some of this, you know, GLP. So the GLP-1 is the messenger that tells your pancreas to produce insulin when your sugar goes up. It's the messenger that tells your stomach to slow down and don't get rid of the food so fast so you stay full for longer. It's the messenger that goes up to your satiety centers in your brain and tells your brain, no, you're full. You really shouldn't go back and eat your second portion or a third portion or another full meal after you just ate. Okay, wow. Um there are some rare cases where people use the, use these medications. And I saw one of your, I don't know if it was one of your patients or one of your followers, could have been one of your followers, um, who said they're not losing weight, even though they're on it. And they've been on it for months, e even a year. What's happening there? So... I don't understand it because, you know, nothing is 100% in medicine. So, you know, when you look at, when you look at a medicine, um, a natural uh, biological curve, it's a bell-shaped curve. So, you know, everything in medicine is a bell-shaped curve. So it's like this. And so you get 10% of the people who overreact and 10% of the people who underreact and 80% of the people who fall under the, you know, bell-shaped, uh, you know, who are in the average. So I have patients that I give them one shot and they can't take a shot for two or three weeks because they literally can't eat anything for, you know, and this is a start a shot. They can't eat for two or three weeks at all. So they stop eating for like a, a long period of time. So they're on, the, on one side of the curve. And then there are, there are patients that I push the drug up on and it really doesn't affect them. I, I, I really haven't seen any of those patients. So I think that it might be that this particular person, and I, you know, I can't ask questions because, you know, because of HIPAA and because of, you know, I don't want to get into it over social media, but it may be that they have a thyroid problem or they have a diabetes problem or they mm -hmm. have a hormone problem, but they may have, you know, there's other things. For example, you know, I talk to patients like if you don't sleep, okay, I can't tell you if you take one thing home today, it's that you have to have sleep for weight loss. So people who for example, people who do weight, sh weight, uh, wait. people who do night shifts tend to get very obese because your body needs that wake sleep pattern. And you know, there, there's the pineal gland and these, the wake uh, sleep pattern. And if you don't sleep uh, properly, you just can't lose weight. And your body hangs on to everything because it thinks that you're under shock. So it's trying to like, you know think that you're, you're going through trauma. And so the, the seven hour, six hour minimum of sleep is very, very important. So maybe this person is not sleeping. You know, maybe this person is doing night shifts. There's many, many things. Maybe they're not drinking enough fluids. Maybe they're not eating properly, you know? So maybe they're, you know, the, the, the 800 or 900 or the 1,000 or 1,200 calories that they eat during the day is all, you know, crap.
Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. Okay, so you brought these medications with you. So let me give you an idea of what these medications look like. Okay. So I just brought some samples. So this is this is very interesting, actually. So this is the uh, Ozempic. Okay. And this is Wijovi. And I want to show you something very interesting. So Wijovi, on here, if you look at it, what does it say under it? It says... Semaglutide injection. Semaglutide, yeah. So that's the that's the uh, that's the scientific name for that. And then this is Ozempic, okay. And I'll read it for you. It says the exact same same word under. So it. it's the same drug. It's the same drug. It's just people don't realize this. It's the exact same drug, exact same formulation, but it's just put in different pens for uh, marketing purposes, right? So it's purely for marketing purposes. So that one, this one was made for diabetics. That one was made for weight loss, for non-diabetics. Oh, okay? wow. Yeah, so you can actually use one. You, they're the same medication. What? Yeah, nobody talks about this. Yeah, nobody talks about this. Very interesting. Now I want to tell you something that's even maybe more interesting that nobody talks about. Okay, what is this? You tell me. What is that? That is Rebelsis. Yeah, it's a pill. What does it say under it? Once, <coughs> oh, semaglutide. Yeah, so that's the pill form. There's a pill version, oral version of it, for that, that started before the injections for people who didn't want to take the injections. Why would anybody take the injection when you can just swallow it? Okay, so this is a daily pill that you have to take. Okay. Okay, and in my experience, it doesn't work as well and it has more side effects, mm. okay? But there is a, th I, I want people to know, there is an oral version of it also, okay? So this, this is, so these three things are actually the same thing, uh, Ozempic, Vigovi, or Vigovi, and the pill ver version, which is called Rebalsis. And then there is Manjaro, which is the same medication, but it has one more component in it. So it does the GLP, and it does another branch, which is, which is the GIP. So it has two branches that it works on. And, uh, and so for a lot of people, and in my experience, it's actually stronger. And um, for people who are diabetics, it's only covered for diabetes, but people use it again, they get away with it for weight loss, but it also, I think you can lose more weight with it. So people who have to lose like um, 70 pounds, 100 pounds, I typically go to this one. So typically you wanna have this in a refrigerator and you take it out on the same day of the week, okay? So let's say you start it on a Monday, you wanna take it on the Monday. Now, does it matter if you take it in the morning or afternoon or night? No, it doesn't really so matter. So you take it once a week? Once a week. All of, all of these medications mostly are once a week. Okay. And. Um, so this is Wigovi or Wijovi. Okay. Okay. And the medication is here inside. 
okay? So it's very easy. So typically I tell people to take it out and hold it in their hand so it becomes room temperature because if it's frozen or cold, it takes longer for the fluid to move and it might sting when you inject yourself, okay? okay. And you can inject yourself anywhere. I usually tell people to, to give it where there's a little bit of fat because it hurts less. You know, honestly, these are so well tolerated. Most people, I, I have not had anybody that's complained of pain with this. It's really so comfortable. And I'll show you a couple of things about it. Okay. But if you give it in, a, in an area that has more muscle, you might feel more stinging. But if you, if you give it in an area that has more fat, then you won't feel it. So I'll, I'll take it out of the refrigerator. I'll hold it for like 10, 15 minutes so it's at room temperature. This is Vigovi. You just pull it out, okay? And you put it wherever you want, and you just push it, and that's it. Okay. And, you, and it takes about, let's say, a few seconds, and it clicks, and you're done. That's it. Okay, and then when the yellow is out, that means that you, you're done with the medication. Okay, and then okay? you throw that out. And then you throw it out, and then you do the next one the following week. Okay. So again, it's very easy. You just pull this out. You inject wherever you want. You wait for it to click. You heard that? Yeah, I heard and that. And that's done, and then you throw it away. Okay. Okay, so that's, that's the injection of, for example, Vigobi. And let's talk about Ozempic because that's the most popular one that people use. So this is the pen of Ozempic, okay? It's so important to me for people to, to know that I'm not trying to push these drugs. It's so, I can't, I can't say this enough. I'm not trying to push these drugs. Again, these drugs are excellent for diabetic patients. They're excellent for people whose risk-benefit ratio is correct, okay? But I'm not trying to push these drugs for everybody to use. You really have to have a proper discussion with um, your physician. But for people who are good candidates, these are excellent drugs. Excellent. I'm just wondering how everybody's getting them. Like, aren't doctors afraid to prescribe it? Because, because I am seeing uh, men and women who only want to lose 5, 10 pounds yeah. get on it. So... What's happening? I, I can't discourage people enough, and I can't discourage doctors enough from, uh, from not prescribing it to people for 5 or 10 pounds. Here's another problem that most, most, uh, most people don't think about, and this is serious, because let's say you, you want to lose 5 pounds, okay? So you use it for what? Your doctor is gonna pr not going to prescribe it for life, yeah, because you might lose too much weight, okay? So let's say they prescribe it for you because you have an event coming up and you want to lose 5 or 10 pounds. But when you do that, you end up losing muscle and you end up losing the fat that, you know, you need. And then after you stop the medication, what are you going to do? Now you're going to have to, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, it doesn't, it really doesn't make sense to me. It just like, please, people who want to lose five or 10 pounds, don't do that. Don't do it. You know, if you want to, if you have significant body weight and it's a medical issue, you know, and obesity is a medical issue, and you know, if you have comorbidities like we talked about, like blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, you know, sleep apnea, joint problems, shortness of breath when you walk, mental health problems, those are comorbidities that it makes sense for you to lose weight. Okay, do it with the help of a doctor that really understands it and follows you properly and checks your thyroid and checks your pancreas and makes sure that you're not having any side effects. Okay. I want to talk to you about 
mental health for a second because you're a doctor, you're very well known in the Persian Jewish community and it's not a popular thing to talk about because we're just seeing on social media especially we're just seeing you know the parties the celebrations the graduations the milestones and everything else is sort of just brushed under the rug even though we all know it's so common what made you decide to start talking about this stuff so you know we're in Passover right now, right? Yeah. So we had two nights of Seder, and part of our Seder is um, is we have three pieces of matzah, you know, the the hard bread, and we take the middle matzah and we cut it in half, and then we wrap it up, the bigger piece of it, and we hide it. It's called the afikomen, right? We hide it, and the kids go and find it, right? And one of, the, the, one of the lessons of this is a spiritual and a um, mental health um, lesson. Because what you do is you take a broken piece and you hide it, right? That's what parents do. And the children go and find it. And the story in that, the lesson in that is that no matter what you do, the children will always find your broken pieces. So you hide it from them and then they find it, right? So I think how good is it that if you just bring it out in the open and you discuss it and you can actually um, bring it to light and try and help other people with it. So to me, and you know, I'm very Jewish and mystical and, and spiritual, um, one of the most powerful things you can do in your life is take your challenge, that's your gift, okay? overcome it, and then give it away. And if you do that, to me, that's like, people are strongest when there are, where, where they are broken. You take your brokenness, you know, I suffered with uh, severe depression during medical school. I was, you know, uh, seriously ill. I literally didn't want to get out of bed. I gained probably 30 pounds. Um, I was always an A student and failed a couple of classes um, because I just couldn't, I didn't have vitality. And when I overcame my mental health issue, and thank God, you know, I, I mean, I always struggle with a little bit of up and down, but I haven't gone to, back to that dark place. Um, I try to help other people with it. And so I don't hide that part of myself because that was a real part of me. And I cherish that part of me because it taught me so much and it actually made me a more uh, feeling person. I, I feel people's pain more. You know, I feel when, when somebody is struggling with their weight, when somebody is struggling with their depression, when somebody is struggling with their divorce, when somebody is struggling with um, social anything, you know, it, it makes me understand them more and makes me have more compassion for them because I connect their brokenness with that part of my brokenness. And I think that's, it really makes you so much stronger. You know, it's not just a corny thing to say that your vulnerability makes you stronger. It, it is true, it is true. Because when you bring, bring out, when you overcome a problem, a challenge, it's like, you know, it's like you're doing dead weights and you went from 200 to 250 pounds. You figured out a way to do that 
or you went from running five miles to running a marathon, you figured out a way to do that, you have to teach other people, you know? And that's the same thing for me. It's not like, you know, I was, I was born with something wrong with me. That's, you know, depression is part of life. Mental health issues are part of life. You know, weight challenges are part of life. You know, some people are born with different types of, uh, you know, health challenges. Some people are born with, with mental health issues. Some people are, are challenged with losing all their money. Some people are challenged with, uh, you know, the wrong marriage, the wrong uh, partner, the wrong uh, community, whatever it is, you know. And if you can look at yourself, have some comp compassion for yourself and overcome it, then the next person you see with that problem, you don't see it as a problem. You see it as a challenge that they can overcome and you're going to help them. I think the biggest challenge here, and it's not just, you know, with mental health, it's when someone gets divorced or, or something happens in the family, uh, the word is shame, that people feel shame about it, yeah. especially, and this is not just the Persian community, any community that's small where people know each other, mm -hmm. you see this problem. Yeah, it's for sure. It's, you know, it, everybody judges everybody. And, but I think to me, the most important thing is you judge yourself harshly. And you have to, you have, to have self-compassion. If you don't have self-compassion, then you're not going to have compassion for somebody else. And that's what I try to teach people because I try not, I'm not ashamed of the depression that I had. I'm not ashamed of mental health challenges that I have sometimes. And I'm, you know, to me, it's, it's what makes me stronger. And stronger, I don't mean as, as harsh. Stronger means that I can help other people. That's, that's what I mean by stronger. And when you take something, a challenge, and you turn it into a gift, that, that's stronger. So, but the only way to get to this point is to have compassion for the person that you were and realize that that person, you know, was suffering and realize that there is a potential for another person that, you know, is hiding that suffering. And you can, if you can open up the door and let them come through and tell you that they are suffering, then you can help them and overcome. And they, that person can pass it to somebody else. Yeah. I really think that the, it starts with self-compassion. That's, yeah, but I agree. But it takes tremendous maturity to get to self-compassion because I tell you, I mean, your friends may judge you, but the way that I see people talk to themselves... You know, if you, if, you, if you recorded what your brain tells you all day, and I'm talking even to myself. Yeah, I mean, anybody. You, you wouldn't want, you, want, you would never talk to your best friend that way. <laughs> right? That's true. People talk so harshly to themselves, and they judge themselves too harshly. But if you can, if you can come to a point that, you know, not like a, uh, not like a just a superficial way of just, oh, I'm going to repeat some words and I love myself and that. No, truly like love yourself, you know? Truly have compassion for yourself. You are a source of light in this world. You know, you are a God's child, and you need to be able to carry that to other people. And so if you don't, if you don't get to that point, how are you going to raise children? How are you going to have compassion for your spouse? How are you going to have compassion for um, people that come across your way? How, are you gonna have how am I going to have compassion for my patients when they come? What, what am I going to do? You loser, you gained weight. You loser, you're depressed. What kind of a person are you? That's, that's what I hear when, when young, like 20-year-olds reach out to me and say, why don't you tell this person to exercise? That's what I hear. I hear lack of compassion and lack of understanding. But if, if, 
because I was where I was, and because of having compassion for myself, I have compassion for the patients that walk in through the door, and I understand where they're coming from. And believe me, when, I, when they get up and they hug me and they kiss me and they, they cry, I know where they're coming from because they, they, you've broken a wall that would have taken maybe 20 years of therapy. You know, and it's like, just allow them to be vulnerable and, and understand them and help them rather than judge them. That's really powerful. Um, particularly on social media, you share a lot of your thoughts, a lot of the way you feel. How many people reach out to you privately that that has helped them? A lot. I mean, I, I, I feel so blessed because I've had many, many uh, people that I don't even know. Uh, you know what it's like, you know, when, when, you're, when you're in front of people, you know, a lot more people know you than you know them. And, um, you know, I, I've had many, many people who pulled me aside and said, you don't know this, but you helped save my life because of what you said, either because of a medical condition or because of a mental health condition. Um, or because of a spiritual thing, or because of just reminding me not to give up, you know? And I think a lot of people give up on themselves too easily, and a lot of people don't have the uh, capacity to cope and to go on. It's too easy. And, you know, we have the mob mentality on social media that they just love to see somebody fall and just trample all over them, you know? Oh, yeah. So I'm the antidote to that. I want to be there and... You know, I, I, I fall into it, too. I mean, you know, I, sometimes I, I hate myself for ganging up on, on, on something that I should have <laughs> just been quiet. And, you know, unfortunately, the last couple of years with politics and everything, it just made, made everything, you know, we're so divided in this country. And, you know, I think that with the lockdowns and with everything that went with COVID and the politics, I think we started, like, thinking of everything as us versus them. And every day I have to remind myself, okay, this is, an, this is not an us versus them issue, you know, you know? And this is a, no, we need to heal each other. You know, otherwise, we're going we're gonna to hand over a terrible world to our children. You know, if we don't, like, we don't have compassion for each other. I'm not talking about, you know, bogus compassion. I'm talking about true, like, you know, really caring about, you know, your community. So, again... It all starts with you caring about yourself. If you don't have compassion for yourself, everything else doesn't uh, work because you can't, how can you, how can you have compassion for somebody else if you don't have compassion for yourself? You just can't. And then if you care about one person like in your family, and then you care about a few people in your community, and you, you just reach out that and just enlarge that circle slowly, it has tremendous effect. I'm going to ask you a question that I ask every single guest on this show. I feel like I kind of know your answer just because of what you've been talking about. Um, but I found that it's hard because we have so many different messages to share to sort of put them in order of like what's the most important, what needs to be shared most urgently in this world. So I came up with this scenario. So the scenario is you are at the Oscars and you're nominated for let's say a documentary about weight loss and they call out all the nominees 
this show is going to be in the Oscars and it's going to be nominated? You and maybe, I? maybe. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, you're sitting there, and they announce the winner. You hear your name, and you get up. You go to the stage. You thank everybody that you need to thank. Your wife, me for being the interviewer. <laughs> um, your kids, God, of course. Um, and then there's that 45 second to one minute period where you get to say whatever you want. And it's gonna be recorded, there are gonna be headlines, it's gonna be on YouTube, people are gonna share the clips on Instagram and TikTok. What do you say? What message is so important to you that you feel it needs to be said right now? So you'll never see me in the Oscars. <laughs> it's just not the person I we am. We just don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you end up dragging me in there. Uh, the message that I'd like to get to people is one of gratitude. You have to start your day with gratitude. You know, I start every morning with the Modeani prayer, which is the Jewish prayer of gratitude. And I think that if you fill your heart with gratitude first thing in the morning when you wake up, it sort of like overflows. And what you say to yourself is, okay, if I am so full of thankfulness for everything that I have in my life, how can I help somebody else? And imagine if everybody, everybody feels this way. If everybody feels like, you know, for me, because I have that attitude, I never feel like life is a competition. I never compete with anybody for money. I never compete with anybody for status. I never compete with anybody for getting into Oscars. <laughs> I never compete with anybody for getting onto a podcast. I, I have people that call me. I don't care about that. You ask me, what do I want to plug in here? I don't want to plug anything. Okay, I just want to help people. This is the reason I came on here, because I want people to understand what these drugs are, the benefits, the risks, and the potential uh, harms, and what it could do for them. But I'm not trying to push anything. Uh, because every morning, I start with gratitude, and my heart is so full, I just want to help people. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Nicole. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started.